0: Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me a very old friend. Her name is Jillian Tarecki, and she has built a relationship coaching, incredible business and has been teaching for over 20 years. Her Instagram, which is kind of where I want you to go and poke around right now as you listen to us, is stunning, but don't get distracted. I just want you to look at her. Is spelled J-I-L-L-I-A-N-T-U-R-E-C-K-I. I -I -I. I will share that she has been under the tutelage of Tony Robbins, um, world-renowned family therapist, Chloe Madonis. She is certified by the Robbins Madonis Center for Strategic Intervention, which is a renowned coaching program, as probably you know. For its innovative strategic solutions to the most difficult relationship problems. I remember back in the day, you were always kind of really curious about this. And it's even in your bio this insatiable curiosity about what makes a relationship work and thrive. You've helped thousands of people through your teaching and writing, Jillian, to revolutionize their relationship with themselves so that they can transform their relationships with others. You were extremely sought after. I just personally love you and miss seeing your body in my class all the time. And I'm really glad to welcome you here. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I miss being in your
0: class. (laughs) Of course. I know. It's so sad. I know. it Just kills me. I want to start with this one post that you put up quite a while ago, back in January. What an amazing feeling it is when you can finally say to yourself, I'm so happy it didn't work out with them. (laughs) I think that this is some medicine right here. And I want to start with that because I feel you've probably seen this time and time again, the pain of heartache of breakup only to be followed by the utter sheer relief knowing that that breakup was super called for needed and medicinal for both the members of the couple. Can you speak to your own experience first of this understanding, whether it's in a relationship of yours or perhaps with a client?
1: Sure. Um, You know... (laughs) I just remember my mom many years ago when I was like a teenager, I don't know, I was crying over some guy, (laughs) broke my heart. I don't even remember which one. And that's the point, you know, she's like, you're not going to even remember, you're going to barely remember this person's name in a few years. And, you know, of course I remembered their name, but it was more just the point that she was trying to make. And, and then she said, you know, you're just going to be so happy. It didn't work out. Like, what if, what if this was the best thing that actually happened to you, you know? And she always planted that seed in my mind. And when I look back at all the relationships that I had, romantic relationships, even if they were lovely, you know, and no drama, all fine. I'm just so glad that, <laughs> you know, I didn't end up with them because it just, that never would have worked out. But I think that we've all had many of us have had an experience after a certain age that like that one breakup that, um, is that like momentarily or, 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 uh, for a short while destroys us, honestly, you know, where we just feel wrecked even, and, and sometimes we feel the most wrecked when it was an unhealthy relationship. And, but we just feel wrecked. And we think, how can I go on without this person? Or we think we have thoughts like, there's no way that I could be enough, you know, that I'm enough of a, of a, that I have any worth because this person rejected me. And I just, you know, I, I was married and I was married for just a short time. I was just married for two years. We were together for, um, about two years before we got married. So just a a relationship of four years, um, which is not nothing, but it's not, it's not super, super long. And I just remember when that ended that um, it felt almost impossible that I would ever get over him because I had convinced myself that he was the person that I was going to grow old with. And it wasn't even a mental thing, it was something that I felt intuitively, which is interesting, in my bones that this was my person. And this is not to um, this is not to like poo-poo intuition or anything like that. But sometimes you will have that really strong feeling in your bones that you're supposed to be with someone and you're not. <laughs> Maybe you were supposed to be with them for a short period of time, but you weren't supposed to be with them for all of time. And um you're not. And and I think that this is my own experience this is the people that I work with. I just it's so important to recognize that when you're in the throes of heartbreak, you cannot see clearly. You cannot it's a big, giant fog in front of your eyes, and you cannot see clearly and it's a wonderful feeling when you make it to the other side of that heartbreak to look back and be like, "Wow, thank God that did not actually work out and in that moment, you can see clearly, and it's an amazing feeling to be celebrated, I think
0: mm. you're in a in a more recent post you talked about the sort of attachment issues that you, from which you were suffering, I had the same exact with, in the context of being with your ex who was also avoidant, he had broken up with you. And a lot of times we don't realize how much we're giving and giving in a way that the other person doesn't need. (laughs) It's so fascinating because, and you articulate this really, really well, but we, we think that we're doing everything that we can do and everything is, is the right way that we think we need to do it. And then we realize that it was exactly the opposite of what that person had needed. And thankfully, again, thankfully, Mm -hmm. but it's so cool to, to, talk to someone like you who specializes in this, because I wonder for our listener, if you could speak to how couples can come together to determine exactly what it is that each needs without feeling confronted or conflicted.
1: Yeah. So important because we tend to, and this is just because we're not taught, we tend to give based on how we want to be given to. And, um, and like you said, we end up giving, I mean, so many people at the end of a relationship, or even if they're in a relationship that's struggling, like I give them everything or I give her everything and they're never happy. It's like, well, maybe you're not actually giving them what they need. So I suggest that, um, I, I suggest that couples sit down with each other and have the conversation. It it doesn't have to be confronting at all. It's just like, it's almost like they should, I think that they should interview each other and you say, okay, well, how does, how do you actually feel safest? You know, what makes you feel safe with me and inside of the relationship? What makes you feel excited and adventurous with me and inside of the relationship? what makes you feel loved by me <laughs> what makes you feel important what makes you feel like you know we're growing together and i think that if you hit those main points and then the other person will say well when you do this this is what actually makes me feel really important and appreciated and loved when you do when you do that it makes me feel really safe. So instead of saying, instead of the conversation being surrounded or surrounding, you know, well, I don't want you to do that anymore. It should, the conversation to make it less confronting and actually more productive is when you do this, I feel really good. And so that's what couples, that's what we need to educate our partners with. Like we we need, the partners need to educate one another and I say, sit down and have fun with it and just, and, and talk about it. And, uh, if more couples did that, I'm telling you less people would break up.
0: Yep. I feel like there's a point that you made also in a post and your posts are extremely valuable, which is why I started. I opened with telling, telling our listener to go check Instagram. You point out in a post that no relationship is worth investing in if you have to lie to keep it. mm and I think this is a perfect segue from what you've just said, because oftentimes we, we lie to ourselves about w- what's true without actually checking in with the other person and say, hey, what would help you to feel safe, loved and loving today? Mm-hmm. It's weirdly that easy. But you say this in one of your posts. The truth is we have to be willing to lose our relationship in order to make it a relationship worth keeping.
1: Yeah. This is all about tough conversations. Um, nobody wants to have hard conversations. It's like, there's nothing wrong with you for wanting to avoid uncomfortable conversations. Nobody actually likes the uncomfortable conversations. Um, and when you are, you know, when you, When a person is incredibly terrified of losing a relationship, they're actually at a huge disadvantage. Look, when you love someone, you don't want to lose them. So that goes without say. But if you feel like you're not going to be able to live or function without them, that puts you at a very huge disadvantage because tough conversations like asking for what you need or asking them what they need you know, asking them like, how am I failing you? Not just, let me tell you how you're failing me (laughs) and how can I do better? No one really wants to have those conversations because they rock the boat. They can potentially rock the boat. Um, Maybe they'll start an argument. Maybe it'll be, again, really, really uncomfortable. Maybe a, a whole other A can of worms will be opened as a result of that. One that has uh, been—it's the elephant in the room—that's been for years or months neglected, but they have, but has to be looked at. So people are really afraid to rock the boat because if they feel like they rock the boat, they might lose the relationship, or they might experience a lot of anxiety if they have a proclivity towards anxiety and just be really, really uncomfortable. But it's the avoidance of these important conversations that actually makes the relationship um, much more susceptible to injury. And so you have to be able to have these tough conversations because it's not going to be a relationship worth keeping if you don't. And so I always say, you know, if you're avoiding these conversations or you're afraid you, you have to sometimes rock the boat. And sometimes rocking the boat is you see your partner um, really derailing in some way in life, you know? Like they're just not there, way off their path. And I believe that if you, if you really want to be in a collaborative, thriving relationship, then you have got to tell your partner when they are messing up, not in a way that um, degrades them, not in a way that shames them, but in a way of in a way of just like, look, this is not working for you, for us. This isn't good. Like, we've got to get you some help. Let's just say it's something like that. Um, and people are really afraid to do that, understandably. But you've got to rock the boat. Like, everyone says, you know, there's a lot of talk out there about learning how to be an advocate for your needs. But in a relationship, you can't just be an advocate for your own needs. you have to be an advocate for your partner's needs and you have to be an advocate for your relationship. So mm. if something is happening, if something's going down and you see and you know it's not good for the relationship, you have to protect the relationship like it's your child. And be like, this isn't even about me or you, honey. Like this is about our relationship and our relationship can't withstand this pressure. So something has to change. And this is often about being able to take on a leadership role in your relationship, which I really believe that both parties have to be able to, it's, I think leadership is very fluid. And I think that it has, people need to be able to step up in their relationship if something is not going right. Or if there's something that your partner is doing or not doing that's threatening the relationship, you better speak up. Because if you don't, this, the, the alternative is worse.
0: And I think there's also this, this option when you speak about leadership in the relationship. There's also this option of realizing that your partner is having a really hard time, month, week, year. And you can take the helm knowing that when you're having a hard time at some point in the future, your partner will do the same for you. Absolutely. I really like that conversation. And it's one that I have with James pretty often because when we, when one of us forgets <laughs> to like help the other one out, we realize that we're not, we're not functional in that moment and we can come back to each other and figure out what the other one really needs. Absolutely. You wrote down, to this point, a conscious relationship is not made up of two people free of their pasts. A conscious relationship is created by two people who have studied their pasts and understand what patterns contributed to the dysfunction of their former relationships. When we pick a partner, we pick their story. So as a conscious person in relationship, we're not only responsible for our chaotic neglected inner child, but we're also responsible for helping our partner get a little lighter and heal from their story. And this is something that has come up recently for us. So I'm interested in talking about it. This is what compassion really is in contrast with codependency.
1: Yeah. um, So we come to a relationship with a past, we come with a whole legacy and we come with baggage. And I think that we have a responsibility to not be a continuation of whatever trauma our partner has experienced in the past. So in other words, if you enter a relationship with someone who has had um, a whole lot of abandonment, maybe they have one or both parents that completely abandoned them, like like jump ship, you know, then you can't. Let's say they had a, par- a parent who totally jumped ship that was not, you know, that totally abandoned them and would shut down, right? Would just close off and stonewall. Well, stonewalling, closing off is never a good thing to do in a relationship. But if you're in a relationship with someone who's had a lot of trauma, maybe it was their parent, maybe it was past relationships, they were just like with so many people who did that to them. You better not do that to them. And, you know, like you just cannot, you have to figure your stuff out so that you do not do that for them. Let's just say they, um, and we're all responsible for our past and, and all of that. But I think that when we can be compassionate about towards what our partner has been through and to be pay, be extra mindful To not trigger that in our partner, I think is necessary. And it's that, and we're responsible for our triggers. Because then people will say, well, aren't we responsible for our triggers? Yes, it's not a but, it's an and. It's like, yes, we are, right? We are responsible for our triggers. And if we've got major abandonment issues, we've got to work on that. Because if we don't, we're going to, our partner is going to go to the other room and then we're going to cry abandonment. Right. And that's ridiculous. (laughs) You you can't do that. But at the same time, it's, if you enter a relationship, it's, it's not so much about the individual anymore. It's like, yes, your individualism has to be preserved in order for the relationship to thrive, but you're also part of a couple now. And so if you're not going to collaborate and help each other, heal and move forward and support each other in that, well, then you should be single and just stay as the individual. It's the way I see it. Right.
0: Right. So interesting. I just wanted to acknowledge for our listener that we have in Jillian's background in Miami, a little bit of jackhammering, but that seems to have stopped now. Yes.
1: Apologize for that. That just started.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to reschedule. I want to just keep going because I feel like we're in a really good spot and a good groove. Yes. The one thing that I have noticed is when we consider our own triggers. I have a trigger for this. James has a trigger for that. How much responsibility do you have to take for your partner's triggers? It's a really good question.
1: Um, well, our our triggers are a hundred percent ours. In terms, and what I mean by that is how we react is our responsibility. So it's one thing to be triggered because we're all going to be triggered, but then you have to consider, well, what do you do with that trigger? What's your pattern? How do you punish your partner? How do you shut down? Do you get angry? Like what's your emotional pattern when you get triggered? That is your responsibility. But there are certain tender spots that I think that, Every couple should talk about like, look, I'm really, really tender about this particular thing. So what would help me is if in, instead of doing A, you did more of B and that would really help me. And then the and then partner will say, okay, I can do that. But sometimes I have to do A because I don't really know how to do B. And then you start to have a conversation about it. And I wish couples would have more conversations about that. But our reaction to the trigger is in totally, it's 100% our responsibility. Oh, well, you did that and made me so angry and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so fine. But you, the fact that um, a cat hair could have, you know, stroked that wound, that's not on me. Like, you've got to take care of that so that the wound is there, but you got to scab it up a little bit. (laughs) I hope that answers the question.
0: No, it does. There are two things that I'm thinking about. One is I'm reminded of Stan Tatkin's work. And uh, you mentioned this earlier about seeing the the relationship as an entity in and of itself, as like a whole environment and ecology uh, of which you want to take great care. Yes. The second thing I'm thinking about is. This idea of empathy for oneself, it's something that I'm learning in close study with Judith Lassiter around nonviolent communication. If we would all practice empathy for ourselves more consistently, we would start to see how easy it is to let a moment that wasn't intentional, that did happen to trigger us, pass over Mm. and become more empathetic toward our partners. It's, it's working here, oh, you know, with James and me, it's totally working to do that. I have empathy for myself right now. He, I think in my mind that he's done something to trigger me or he said something to anger me or annoy me. If I just take a moment and have empathy for myself, everything changes. Absolutely.
1: So what did that so actually, cool. yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. And also I'll add to that. I think one of the more destructive habits in a relationship is that when we feel triggered by our partner, when we start to go into a story that they intended to hurt us, that changes everything. Because as soon as we think that our partner, we blame our partner for having any sort of malintent, things get ugly really quickly in a relationship. If you can say okay, I really, like, I'm furious. Like I I feel really triggered by him or her. But you can at least say, but I know they didn't mean it. They didn't actually mean to harm me in that moment. And that's a, that's a, that's a game changer because contempt comes from believing that your partner
0: has intention to harm takes so much self-awareness. Oh yeah. My God. So intense. <laughs> mm. So much self-awareness. What I can say is this, I I truly appreciate the work that you're doing. And I think the the conversations that you're having, especially on social media, where it's just so right there and practical and real talk. I, this is so needed in our generation. Well, I, I and I,
1: I I would agree. I would agree. I think we have to start talking about the things that um, are kind of scary. And I also think that yes, it takes a tremendous amount of self awareness, and it's hard. But most importantly, we have to start simplifying. Like if we look at these relationship issues and we make them more complex, then they become these things that we never are able to tackle. But it's really actually, it's hard to execute because we have to get over our egos and our pain and our hurt. And we're in the moment. It's the, we're, we're flooded emotionally. It's all this stuff going on. But really, it's actually very simple. Like know what each other need. Like know what your partner needs. Make sure they know what you need. Meet each other's needs and stand up for yourself in the relationship and stand up for the relationship.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's big. That's big. That is big. It's huge. I can't thank you enough for this. Is there any, I would love for you to teach our listener where to find your work, how to access more of your work, if that is possible.
1: Yeah. So yeah, definitely going to my Instagram. um, Also my website, which is just my full name, JillianTarecki.com. Um, For those who are going through uh, heartbreak, I created this heartbreak workbook, super inexpensive. Um, It will help. And that's on my site as well as um, on my Instagram. And I have a heartbreak course. And then for women who are really looking to become the most aware and, and, and smart and compassionate and empathetic version of themselves inside of a relationship. I have a membership called the conscious woman. And it's basically like every time it's, it's, self-led and with live workshops. And it's like everything from attachment styles to dealing with parents, to children, all of it, it's all in there.
0: And your website?
1: Yeah. My website is, uh, my full name, Jillian Terecki.com.
0: J I L L I A N T U R E C K I (laughs) for our listener. Thank you so much for being here, old friend. I really, truly appreciate all of your work and your time and more soon. I have a feeling that I would like to share you in other ways.
1: Thank you, Elena. I really appreciate
0: it. Thank you.